0: Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Good to be back. Hope you had a good fourth. You make it through. You got all your fingers, got all your toes. No missing limbs. Everybody good to go? Let's hope that's the case. Uh, I'm Jeff. Director Matthew filling in. For Tom today, as Tom is finishing up his little vacation, we'll be back with us by the end of the week. On Twitter, it is at Show. Not rusty, but ready to go. Not rusty, but ready to go, as I said. And, and, we have some things to celebrate. Now, I bet most of you tune in right now expecting that your fearless host will gloat, no doubt, over a... uh, Prediction made well over a year ago and once again showcasing the kind of football acumen you've grown to expect over the years of listening to the JCS. But that's not what we're going to lead with. We're not going to lead with my correct prediction of uh, Brian Courtney making the switch from tight end to linebacker where I thought he was a better fit from day one. No, no, we'll save other parts of the show later on to do that in which I will discuss at length that prediction. And I'll note just that the guys from Seminole Headlines are lucky that they're not here. That is, uh, I told them their time was coming. And when the fateful day occurred that the switch was made, uh, they would hear about it. They would hear about it. You guys knew it all along, though, because you listened to this show. That's why. That's why. Instead, I'll begin with, while we were away, it wasn't just that I was right, it's that Iris Chaffel was right and others that predicted Florida State would bring in some yeses over the holiday weekend and uh, the extended holiday weekend for many. And that's exactly what Florida State did. It started really, if you go back, and i, and I got to say, uh, I recorded videos with Michael Langston, Senior Recruiting Analyst. Uh, he and Matt Laser have done a really good job of uh, – Obviously, kind of breaking down these commits and breaking down who these kids are and where Florida State sat in an effort to get yeses from them. It began with our conversation surrounding Ricky Knight, who said yes to Florida State uh, on Saturday. And really, a lot of people kind of thought that's what was, it was coming. The young man out of West Palm Beach was going to be a knoll, and he is now a knoll, And he talked at length yet again like so many of the other recruits that have said yes to Florida State that, hey, look, there seems to be some sort of momentum, family atmosphere, trust, camaraderie at Florida State that is, I think, enticing for a lot of guys. You're not going to get everybody you recruit. You're not going to get all the kids that you want. But it's nice to hear from the ones that do commit that there's something that they feel that's different. Now, I think recruits tend to say that no matter where they're going, they were excited about that place. They're excited about that coach, that fan base, whatever it might be. But it's not always the first thing cited. A lot of times it's any number of other aspects of the recruitment that stood out to them. But almost 100% across the board, almost universally acclaimed always, is that... um, There's a good sense of family at Florida State and Mike Norvell's, I guess, authenticity. Now, some of the other coaches certainly deserve credit for that. Mike isn't singularly responsible for all of these kids saying yes, but if the head coach is a guy that they can't believe in, then your position coach is kind of helpless. Your head coach has to be an asset to you in recruiting, has to be a big part of why they say yes. "Quote: I trust in what Coach Mike Norvell is building. I wanted to add to that. That's Ricky Knight saying yes to Florida State, and um, you know I, I, I think it's it's exciting. Uh, Coach Sertan gets one there, and Patrick Sertan is a guy that we're going to be watching very very closely um, because he's a kid. He's a he's a guy that when you when you when you brought him onto your coaching staff, you thought could certainly have an impact on South Florida, could have an impact on the kids uh, that." are heavily influenced by his successes in South Florida and obviously the kind of coach that he could be, that's huge. Now, from there, Elijah Moore, wide receiver, that's a big-time commit. And again, you watch Florida State bring in guys that this is a top 50 receiver in the country. This is a player that is a four-star at wide receiver, but moreover, look at the kinds of kids that they're trying to bring in at that position. You beat out Ohio State for this young man, that's a big deal when you consider how good Ohio State's receiving core has been for years. Every time you look up, they have either the best or one of the three or four best receiver segment groups in the country. So initially, I thought when looking at Elijah Moore, Florida State would have a hard time getting him out of Maryland. Uh, not because he wanted to stay in Maryland, but because he'd be heavily recruited by Brian Hartline, and there was a chance that uh, there would be other guys that would, you know, take a good long look at him. Uh, Penn State wanted him, Florida wanted him, Southern Cal wanted him. You beat out some big, big name schools for his services. You end up. Beating out Ohio State, the aforementioned Florida Gators, Penn State, Nittany Lions, et cetera. That's a big deal. So Florida State gets another tall receiver, six foot four, close to two hundred pounds, not even in college yet. That tells you that he's got a lot of room to fill out, and he's got that size that you covered, covet, and Florida State gets a yes from Elijah Moore. That too was a big deal. And that was a guy that for Ron Dugan's. Uh, He he was referenced, uh, was Ron Dugans by Elijah Moore, along with Mike Norvell. If you think about Mike's background, he's a a former receiver, and uh, now they seem to have the ball rolling, he and Ron Dugans doing a very good job. Credit, a lot of credit to Ron Dugans, who I criticized, I feel fairly so, uh, for his efforts prior to a couple years ago where we were beginning to wonder whether or not he was going to be able to lure even, and I get that people say, hey Jeff how many people were going to say yes to Florida State when the state of the program was what it was? You can't just blame him. That's your job, man. That's kind of part of it. Like, I, I'm sorry, when you when, when you are on a staff that is seeking to turn things around and the losses have mounted and the reputation has suffered, you have to have people that can overcome that and get yeses from players. And so, while it's harder to do when you're not winning, it's harder to do when your offensive line's not very good and the offense hasn't found its rhythm yet, it's harder to do. When the proof of concept isn't evident to all who watch your games. But that's, the, that's what you're paid so handsomely for. you got to find a way. And so my criticism of Ron wasn't about the person, Ron Dugans. It was about the recruiter, Ron Dugans. Ultimately, all of the criticism falls at the feet of the head coach when things go poorly. So that's a given. You can go up the ladder from there. But then now look at where we are. This is part of a theme. Part of a, a theme throughout the summer. Part of a theme that has me pumped. Because if you think back, I actually had a little fun before the show this morning. I was reading an article, and it took me down this rabbit hole. It was about preseason rankings and odds. And, of course, me being a gambler, I was looking at various odds. And I'll get to some of that. There's a bunch of, you know, it's list season, everybody. But I will tell you that BetMGM released their college football playoff national championship odds, and uh, you, can, you can find those at, on three. But I, I went through and looked at those numbers, and, and Florida State comes in at number eight at plus 1,800. And obviously they cite Jordan Travis being back after a tremendous season and how Mike Norval, Norvell has the program on a steady incline. Talked about that season opener, which we're all talking about with LSU, et cetera. And so, I, you know, whatever. We can look at that. I'll look at the other seven teams. We'll talk about it in a moment. But what I did do was I thought to myself, man, the recruiting weekend and where we sit currently on the calendar and how close we're getting to camp opening, the ACC media kickoff at the end of this month when we head up to Charlotte, We're scheduled to go up there uh, a couple weeks from now, three weeks from now. Really looking forward to that this year because obviously you have all the conference stuff, but then you have the momentum and expectations that center around Florida State successes this year. So that's, I mean, when you get to a place where you're a couple of weeks away from something of significance and you're less than a month away from camp starting, Getting out there watching practice, watching this product, watching the competition, watching what is slated to be one hell of a campaign for Florida State and what should be intriguing week to week. So, you know, that's that, that you start to get that feeling, right? It sparks a little something in you when you wake up. And I thought, how much different after a long weekend into the holiday yesterday? Do you feel now with these yeses from players like Elijah Moore, et cetera, And where we were just two years ago, where we were before the start of college football 2021. By the way, I'll remind you, the AP rankings that came out, the AP football poll that came out before the 2021 season, top 25, Featured Alabama at number one, Clemson at number two, Oklahoma at number three, Georgia at number four. At that time, guess it was number five, Iowa State. Frauds. Everybody was still glowing about Matt Campbell. Sorry, ass. But anyhow, that said, there we are, and it was Ohio State, and it was Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher. It was Cincinnati. Remember that? Everybody loved that Cincinnati team. It was Oregon. It was Iowa. It was LSU. It was Miami, who in 2020 had finished, what, 9-3, and whatever that was? It was Notre Dame and North Carolina. And you know who it wasn't? You can go on and on. It wasn't Florida State. Nowhere to be found. You You know who was in the top 20? Indiana. Coastal Carolina top 20. Florida certainly was. Arizona State. Southern Cal, etc. Louisiana. Louisiana, not LSU, Louisiana. And we were nowhere to be found. There we were on the outside looking in, fresh off a disastrous COVID campaign, desperate for normalcy, and normalcy in a Florida State football fans world is top 10 playing meaningful games, where results matter, where when you are having a tough day at the office and you're favored by two touchdowns or more and it's tied in the third quarter, that sinking feeling in your gut because a loss here would signify a massive impact nationally because you're going to upset the apple cart and you're certainly on the verge of setting fire to your preseason expectations. You want to get back to that, right? Just like you want to get back to oh, we're ranked number seven, we're right there on the cusp of being a college football playoff team, and this game, this weekend, and how we play can help us take another step forward to that end. And now Florida State, just two years, 2023, here we are. Again, that was 2021. 2023, here we sit. You're moving towards a top-10 recruiting class. You're moving towards a preseason ranking, certainly, in the top seven, and expectations that you could make the college football playoff and win the ACC. That's how quick it can turn around. It's worth reminding yourself of that. It's worth pinching yourself and celebrating what is now a a rather rapid return to college football's elite. This time last year. We talked about the importance of the season, but we weren't talking about winning the conference. We weren't talking about a program that has a chance to go to the college football playoff. We were talking about having a freaking winning season. It's I don't know about you guys. It's depressing. Like I, I think about it from a job standpoint. Okay, so if if I go to practice and we watch games and analyze games and do shows and write articles and 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 look at you know Saturday to Saturday, week to week, what. The program is where we're at. Where we stand. It is so much easier because when you go to a practice, and the and the results of that upcoming Saturday's game does not matter. Like you win by fifty or lose by thirty, it's not going to make a difference because your team isn't any good. So the fan in me gets an opportunity to come out when they're good. Like I get to I get to just be an unabashed diehard knoll. But then also the media part. Uh, plays into that and you can marry the two because results matter expectations matter the emotions that you can put on the back burner for the moment they hit you you feel those things you're watching a great practice and you're thinking how that translates onto a Saturday but you're also thinking about it from the bigger picture well, they are in rhythm they sound they look good they are comfortable with what they're running. Everybody seems to understand their role. They're going to win this Saturday. And you know what that means? If this happens, and then that happens, and we do what I think is going to happen on Saturday, then we are going to launch to six or five or four. It's a different feel, a different conversation, a different discussion, a different interaction that you and I have, that we all have, that you have with your friends and family. And that's the kind of season we're entering into. One where every Saturday, whether you're favored by four touchdowns or it's going to be a nail-biter like the LSU game or the road-Clemson game, every Saturday, has it, 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 it's going to have a direct impact. It's going to have an effect on where Florida State sits, but also what the national picture, the storyline is saying. And so when we were getting commits over the weekend, when Florida State you know, had a big play wide receiver in Elijah Moore say yes, and there are still others, by the way. You know, when you get Redarius Morgan committing to Florida State, Red Morgan, defensive back, committing to Florida State out of Phoenix City, Alabama. When you get that kid and you get the receiver and you, you, you think you're going to get the offensive lineman here in whatever that's going to be, a week, 10 days... And you start thinking about that momentum, and there's still more that's going to happen at the end of July as we get towards those and just finish up those aforementioned ACC uh, media kickoff uh, days there in Charlotte. Everything is primed. Everything is ready to go. As for the odds and what they're thinking nationally... I mentioned it's list season, number season, projection season. I'll go over some of those that came out over the weekend as what others are thinking Florida State will do this year. Give you my thoughts on that as well. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. College football preseason top 25 stuff, it's all out there, obviously, and we went over some of these more and more get introduced in various forms. If you're a gambler, you're looking at odds for national championships, conference titles, Heisman, all the stuff that you can bet preseason, evidence that leads you down a path or perhaps a hunch. There are updated college football playoff national championship odds that were released by BetMGM over the weekend. Actually, yesterday, I think it was. Georgia at plus 220, of course, going for a 3 P. It's never been done. Be interesting to see there. Alabama at plus 600 seems like a better value. Ohio State at plus 700. Michigan at plus 900. It feels weird whenever you see that because you don't believe in Michigan. You don't. I know you don't. I don't even think Michigan fans do. Yet they're coming off of back-to-back college football playoff appearances. I think I think the way they lost to TCU, you're kind of like, yep, yep, that's about right. You threw away the thing you gained. You go to Ohio you go to Ohio State. I mean, JJ McCarthy gets a win for the ages, right? Dude will be set in Ann Arbor the rest of his life. And you get that win. And you lose to TCU, and it's kind of ugly the way that it happens. It's weird. There's all. It's a mess. But back-to-back playoff appearances is what it is. So they're top five on this list in plus nine hundred. LSU ahead of us at plus twelve hundred. Now look, they were in a similar boat at the end of last season, and that I think a lot of people kind of looked around and would, and you know, at one point FSU had lost three straight and then ended the year. Win, 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 win. Got on that kind of a roll and people began the buzz regarding Florida State. LSU didn't do it the same way, but what they did do in losing that game to us was rally. And begin to believe. And buy in. And win they did to the tune of winning the West. And you bring back Jaden Daniels. And they filled some holes on that roster for sure in the transfer portal. And LSU is in another good spot to project a top 10. Number five on this list is interesting, though, at plus 1,200. Suffice to say that Florida State LSU will help early set the tone for uh, which of these programs is in a driver's seat to make... The coveted spot into the college football playoff. I wish I was wish this year in a weird way was the twelve team playoff because I think there are a lot of teams that are very similar. Southern Cal is at plus fourteen hundred. Caleb Williams coming back, obviously, you can just stop there. He's great. Clemson's at plus eighteen hundred. We'll see. Cade Klubnik is he is he right now better than uh, DJ Uyunglele? Probably because. D.J. was wildly inconsistent. When he was good, he was good. When he was bad, he was bad. And they needed something a little bit more even-handed. But, you know, the good news here is two of these teams, one of them's you, so three of them, you're playing two of them in the first four weeks. Obviously, if Florida State were to win both those games, you've got to get out of jail free card and feel good. Florida State does come in at 8, also tied with Clemson at plus 1,800. So 7th, 8th. They're they're, they're tied. Texas at plus 2,200. Glenn Ewers back. Penn State rounds out the top 10 at plus 2,500. That's kind of interesting. From there, rapid fire. Notre Dame, Tennessee, Oregon, Washington, Texas, A&M, Utah, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, UCLA, and Ole Miss. That is um, a list that does not include TCU. From the uh, penthouse to the outhouse, perhaps. We'll see. Obviously, some teams in there, too, that uh, would have been in there that you would have thought had a chance to to perhaps uh, certainly crack that top 20 list. Uh, for example, Wake Forest would have been, but transfer Sam Hartman. All that kind of stuff. So that was one. That one bet MGM. There was a mock model. Austin Mock's model ranking the best teams in the top 25 for college football. You can read that one in the Athletic. I just bring these to your attention. It's not me lending credence to those projections. It's not me telling you that that's what's going to happen. It is just a heads up if you want to go read how it is others are talking about Florida State and their methodologies. So there's a model in play here in which He takes play-by-play data from every game, factors in returning production, recruiting rankings, and transfers, the usual methods for ranking teams and players and coaches. Uh, Some of it is obviously projections, but uh, it adjusts as the season goes along. In this case, his preseason top 25 has Georgia 1, Alabama 2, Michigan 3, Ohio State, Penn State at number 5. Come on now. What are we doing here? LSU at six, raises the eyebrow. Then it's Tennessee, Texas, and Florida State, followed by Southern Cal rounding out the top ten. Take up whatever issues you have with Austin Mock. I suppose it's rather, you know, I mean, if you just think about these rankings, if you go through that top 25 list that he has, the SEC has four of the top seven spots, the Big Ten has three of the top five spots, the top 25, Includes 18 teams that finished in the preseason AP Top 25 poll. Two teams in the Top 25 didn't make a bowl game last year. That'd be Auburn and Texas A&M. TCU, as I said, was not included, despite making the national title game the last year. And by conference, it's nine for the SEC, six for the Pac-12. Okay, Big 10-4, Big 12-3, ACC-2, Independent-1. The reason for no TCU is they went 6-1 and one in one-score games last year. Uh, throw in the fact that Max Duggan, Quentin Johnston, amongst others, are now in the league, in the NFL, and that's why they're not there. You could look and wonder about Texas A&M. Uh, I think you're seeing this offseason that there are a ton of differences between experts and those opinion makers and, uh, you know, analysts that say, hey, I think a and going to bounce back. they got too much talent. There's no way. Now they've got some stability at quarterback, etc." cetera. Uh, the polar opposite is true for a lot of other people who look at that program and say, man, this feels like it's about to go off a cliff. Feels like, you know what, no matter what recruiting wins Texas A&M has right now, If you were interested in those players, like a significant five-star that said yes over the weekend, you got to keep recruiting that kid. They're all going to be available, baby. When the plane crashes into the side of the mountain, all of those kids will be available. So keep on recruiting, everybody. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. I don't know if you saw this, not yesterday, day before. Here's why I bring it up. It has little to do with uh, them and more to do with the current climate that we find ourselves in in college football and what's happening to stadiums across the country, including our own. But the University of Florida is getting um, set for a makeover, an overhaul that's going to cost them somewhere in the neighborhood of $400 million dollars as they seek, quote, a multi-generational solution for an aging stadium there in Gainesville. They announced plans to hire an architect for the design of its a revamp Florida Field, etc. Uh, Scott Strickland, the AD there, talked about uh, it's a little premature on the final cost, all of the things that uh, they want to provide for fans. In, in the effort to transform the game day experience while maintaining, um, you know, the, the, what what he says is the the home field advantage, et cetera, uh, they don't want to work within the confines of, uh, say, a band aid, but rather something that is uh, going to work for all the generations uh, moving forward. And the season ticket holders currently, and it, it, mixed in all of that, it, you know, it talks about the history of the stadium and it talks about the different projects uh, and and the way they've gone about over the years expanding the stadium. And now, what we're seeing across the board, retracting. I mean, the the additions to these stadiums are largely uh, from a technology standpoint, right? There's some sightline stuff, but a lot of the stuff is just about technology, the ease uh, with which you you watch a game and that you experience a game. And that, and that brought me back home uh, to Tallahassee and thinking about Doe Campbell Stadium and how it is that and, – and we continue to harp on this. I thought that the Strickland quote that was applicable here and applicable across college football or really professional football or any – Sporting event that you might buy tickets to or seek to uh, spend a day enjoying—it's the service business. You have to create experiences. Uh, you know, you you you, you gotta have. Uh, you, you got to have something that resonates with folks as they walk out of that stadium that they were able to enjoy every aspect of their experience. And that would include getting into the stadium, leaving the stadium, the Wi-Fi when you're in the confines of the said stadium. But you know what what they're doing is they're taking 100,000-seat stadiums, 98,000-seat stadiums, and making them... 80,000 seat stadiums, 70,000 seat stadiums. And in some cases, 65, 66. And one big reason for that is something else that happened over the weekend. And I don't know if you saw this, Director Matthew, but here you go, buddy. Just to let you know. The new ninety inch, 98-inch class Q80C QLED 4K smart TV is out. And your boy is on the hunt. Man, I curse some of my closest, dearest friends. I curse you all, sons of bitches, sending me texts over the weekend. Hey, did you see it? It's out, and it's beautiful. Take a look, Jeff. Don't mind if I do, guys? Clicked on it. Now, now Matthew and everybody else, you can go to Samsung.com if you like. You could just roll on into your neighborhood Costco, wherever it is you like to purchase your 98-inch 4K QLED televisions and find that carrot dangling and see how quickly it becomes an obsession. How you know the logical side of you says, you can't do it. What are you doing? You just bought an 85-inch television. You don't need another television. But you know how quickly your brain is able to satiate all of those wants and desires and concerns and creates ways for you to rationalize doing things you don't need to do? It happened. That's what this Fourth of July weekend was about for me. It wasn't about independence. It was about a bigger television and how soon I could get my hands on it and justify it. The problem really is, in my case, and guys, you could tell me, you know, when did I buy that 85-inch television? When did I celebrate brag on the air about the 85-inch television? Huh? What was that? Is that two years ago now? It's a dated television. I mean, honestly. And you know what else? No sooner did I purchase that bad boy, and it's beautiful. It can be seen from the street. The lights, they glow for blocks on end if I've got the curtains open. People walking their dog are blinded. But I'll tell you, yes, no, Dad, Christy could probably tell me the exact date and time, but I realized that I had failed. I failed you as a man, all of you. Sure, it's impressive. It's enjoyable. Movies. Sporting events, video games, you name it, have all been enjoyed by the Cameron family these last two years on that 85 incher. And now I look and I see the corner in which it sits, the optimal amount of space between the screen and the couch that I lay on while watching or the recliner. I did the measurements, I did the math, I saw the recommendations. And I realized it could have gone bigger. I realized I could have been bigger. And the seed of that discontent, the seed for a newer television, was planted in that very moment. When, when, I, when I put it up and I saw the space that was still available reaching to the ceiling and to the sides, and the measurements that allowed me to realize we can go bigger, we can go bigger here. At that time, it didn't seem reasonable at all to go with a 98-inch television. Didn't even really know that there were those that could be had. Not at a reasonable price, anyhow. I wasn't going to get a movie projector. And now I know. Now I know they're available. And you know what happens when you see this release for the 2023 98-inch beauty. Oh sure! Right now, it'll tell you it's seven thousand dollars, and that seems unreasonable. It seems uh, absurd. I can't justify that. I mean, I I can't. I I got kids getting set to go to college. I got a lot of things I got to do. I got a lot of things I got to do. How am I going to? So you know. But it's going to happen because once it's $7,000, we're not that far away from it being $3,500. In a lot of ways, I can link the two. I could talk about how FSU was three and six or whatever the hell, and five and seven. And now look at us 10 and three, preseason top 10, talking about going to the playoffs. $7,000 seems unreasonable, but that's really $3,500 in six months. That's all that is. And at 0% interest, sir. It's a worthy investment. Agreed. Broke toaster? At what point do you just get a home theater system? I mean, I kind of have it. You want the whole you want the kitten caboodle, you want the chairs, the vibrations? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's something. It's something to ponder and just know it's on my mind. Get ready, everybody. I'm going to have to justify and tell my wife that we're moving an 85-inch television into our bedroom, which will set the room alight. She already loathes that I have a 55-inch television in our bedroom. She thinks that's ridiculous. And I'm like, this tiny thing bothers you? Really? Look at that tiny-ass TV. We could have 85 inches in here. Don't be nasty. And now I'm thinking about. So you bring that in there, and then you you got the 98 incher out there, and there you go. But my larger point was, <laughs> stadiums are getting smaller, and one of the reasons that they're getting smaller is because you can get these things. They're ridiculous. And when you look at them, you're like, sweet Jesus. I honestly think sometimes when I go, you know how when you guys go into Costco and you walk in, and they're not dumb, they've got it all set up. Right when you walk in, the first thing you see, rows of incredible televisions. Do you ever look at those televisions and think to yourself, that's higher quality than the real life world we're living in here. This is These TVs look better than what I see when I'm walking around outside for real. I would go out in nature more if my reality looked like it does on television. I'd want to spend some time outside by a stream if it looked like it did on my (laughs) 85-inch... It never does! It never does, but, you know... I actually look forward... uh, I look forward to the to the smaller version of Doak the smaller version of all these stadiums just so long as we can get in and out of the damn stadium and have proper Wi-Fi you know I I mean you gotta get (laughs) broke toaster just think of how awesome all those videos of actual fires are going to look Yeah, the amenity, the the race for amenities in uh, stadiums, you see it from every athletic director that talks about the adjustments that are being made to what they have, whether it's a practice facility, whether it's a football stadium, uh, it's future planning. Uh, It's downsizing in terms of the amount of people that go to the games, and it's upgrading in all the technology uh, and the opportunities to, uh, you know, they they try to turn everything now into a long weekend. They want you to come in on a Friday, they're going to host a concert, you're going to have all these different events in and around the stadium. And, frankly, if you're going to ask people to come from all over the country or certainly through all over the state to a hard-to-get-to place like Tallahassee, a couple of things have to be right. You have to be really good. You have to win games. And they're, they're handling that part of it right now. They're, they're doing some good things. That's a big part of it. That's the biggest part of it. But you also got to have all the other amenities. And some of the things that they've done haven't worked per se, but it's also coincided with uh, the, the program not being real good. And we're going to enter back into that space where everything seems to run a little bit more smoothly. The money is available for all the things that you're asking for when you're winning games. It's not practical. It's not pragmatic. It's not something we're looking to invest in when you're 5-7. and When you're winning games and going to playoffs, sure, seems like a great idea. We should add to it. Let's improve the Wi-Fi. Oh, by the way, again, can you get us in and out of the stadium in a reasonable time? And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk. We're right at Orchand TV. And uh should note here, let me answer or at least respond here. Sean writes, couldn't disagree more with the shrinking capacity. Again, LSU, Bama, A&M, Tennessee have over 100,000 and expanded, not retracted. Crowd noise equals wins and helps attract recruits. Um, well, declining... Attendance across the landscape of college football was documented as a eight year trend, and many schools began to entice fans not by expanding, but by offering certain types of amenities. As for Nealon, it actually did decrease. Sean, it went from one hundred four to one hundred one with their renovations. Many others are renovating as well and getting smaller and adding amenities instead of more seats. And the expansion and the continued expansion for the cult that is Texas A&M football has led to nothing. They haven't done a damn thing. So we can go one by one and look at these things. Um, Yes, there are places whose attendance is something to behold. Nealon's one of them. Uh, Tiger, you know, listen, watching LSU fans are great. Some of the best fans in in the world. Where, Where Florida State is located is a problem. We're always going to struggle. Uh, you know, I, I've always felt like, I remember at 83,000, that that was great. It feels to me like Doak should be somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 70 to 72. And, uh, you know, that kind of, but the, the difference between the noise at 72,000 as opposed to 80,000 uh, is negligible. It's more about, Sort of the design of that stadium does it hold noise you know part of the advantage that the swamp had for a while was the way that it was added on to and engineered um you see that at Clemson as well there are there are some huge stadiums like at Michigan for example, where they're a hundred thousand plus and it's not loud it's not loud so we'll we'll see I mean i, I we're just talking about game days experience as opposed to the insane draw of uh, not having to deal with uh, 100 degree heat, strangers who suck in games against bums that you're going to beat by 50 as opposed to your couch, a cooler, and a 95 inch television that is crystal clear and the ability to watch other games. Now, you can never supplant the game day experience with fellow diehards in big moments. Like, I would never trade in what we had a couple of years ago, for example, the Miami game, the 4th and 14 conversion. You know, that that moment in the stands with my father and my two sons and my fellow Knowles all around me as we celebrated what was surely going to be a win now that the ball was on the inch line and we converted fourth and fourteen. You don't get that on the couch. You don't get that at the house. You don't get that just because you have a nice television. No, that—that's the feeling that you take with you forevermore because you were in a stadium because you had experienced it. That sound, that that moment, that anticipatory snap—all those things that happened—you you wouldn't get at home. But but most games are not that way. <laughs> most games are you like oh, okay. Well, Southern Miss action today, huh? It's 96. It's 96 outside. You know, by the way, same time we're playing, such and such is on. I also think it's an age thing. Admittedly, I think you get past the age of 40, you're like, I've been to a million games. (laughs) When you're 18, all you want to do is be at the game. One thing's for sure, one of the biggest changes in my time so if I go back to, you know, I'm in school and it's 1991, 92. you were at the game. You're with your fellow students. You are lined up, tailgating, having a good time. You are all of those. St- it's the experience. It's all of it. But also, we had crappy 32-inch glass televisions that were low def, and you could barely see what was happening. You just didn't know any better. You didn't know there was going to be a future where the TVs provided a better and clearer picture than the real world did. But once you got a taste of it, oh, you began to kind of devise the future plan. Well, I'll just turn this din. I mean, we're never, we are never—we hardly ever use this din. You know, that's how it works. But the bigger games, you'll never beat it. you You want to be you want to be in the stadium. It's uh, it's it's incredible, and those are the moments that even 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 when it goes the wrong way, you know, I I I couldn't have replaced going out to Norman, Oklahoma, even though we got blown out, but to be there with my dad and to be there with friends and to be in that stadium and in that moment on a crystal clear day, beautiful weather, and that's why we've been. Screaming from the mountaintops, and now that maybe we're good again, uh, not maybe, but now that we are good again, and now that people have seen the light, and we've made back the money, we can just always schedule home and homes. We don't need to be doing this nonsense, Orlando. As much as I like New Orleans, I think I would have rather have been in Baton Rouge to experience that stadium with those fans as well. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron, show ninety-three-three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.